Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax, you have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us, holding to pure grace. Again, relax, join in with us. Listen on, be blessed. Hello again, everyone. All the Grace Guard dogs out there, glad to be back. My name's Bill. We're ready to do another podcast, and I'm sitting across the table from my good buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hey, everybody out there. Glad you're here, too. It is good to be here. we experimenting with our sound equipment, so we're praying, Father God, please yes. make this work right. It's doing and, all kinds of crazy things. And be patient with us, because we're novices at this podcasting thing. Brings up a good question we had from, you said you like to hear all the questions and comments. Yes. And I forwarded you a text I got from a girl. I didn't ask permission to name her, but she had a, uh, actually a very, very legitimate question, perhaps a concern in her text. She's, she was talking about the few times I haven't been here, and she says, I really enjoyed Steve's podcast on active voice, but why does he have to say Bill was caught up in the cares of the world like that? So I sent you the text, and, and she said, you know, why does Steve have to say Bill's caught up in the cares of the world? It sounds bad when Bill is such a... I mean, he's just an amazing husband and father. He's just a pillar in the community. He's a hard worker. He's but, got a great Bill, reputation. Bill, like throughout, I got the text in front of me. I know it says you're a great guy. I got it right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I padded on a little bit, but I no, could tell no, she meant that. Yeah. You, you read between the lines. I read between the lines, over the lines, outside the lines, and added lines. Yes. Yeah, that's funny, Bill. That's funny. I actually know what you meant by that. You're not trying to say Bill is unspiritual when the cares of the world. Well, actually, you are saying. Yeah. I can say what I'm not saying is that. Bill backslid and started going to the bars again, and he's gone a separate way. I, I did not mean that. There's someone that may surprise, and Steve's going to show, he's going to read this passage, but it's someone that you may be surprised was caught up in the cares of the world. Brother Paul. Brother, Brother Paul. Yes. The Apostle Paul was yeah, experiencing anxiety over the cares of the world. The Apostle Paul had a few cares of the world. Well, first, bef before I let you read that, it, it doesn't actually say cares of the world, and we'll, and we'll get to that. Yeah, but the, the idea of cares of the world came from Jesus himself. It came from one of his parables when he said, some seed is thrown on the rocky ground, some is thrown on the pathway, some is thrown in, in good soil. When he was describing one of those places, he, he was 
describing it as the cares of the world that choke out any life of the spirit. You're so anxious and fretting so much that you're not in the spirit. You're actually in the edemic nature and you don't produce fruit in the edemic nature. Your fruit is produced by the spirit of God. And when you try in your own human strength to sort out all the calamity that's going on in your life, the cares of the world actually get you. They begin to choke you. You, you can feel it. I've literally had a lump in my throat from just pure worry and anxiety and trying to figure out how am I going to get this done? Where am I going to find time to get that done? What do I do with how all these problems? How am I going to pay problems? my bills? Yeah, yeah. All those are the cares of the world, the cares of the sage. You were saying something about the Apostle Paul, I think, and I kind of like that, that you compared me to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> Did I do that? I well, feel that, elevated. That, that, that means you owe me. <laughs> I owe you big that, time. That, that wasn't cheap. That wasn't cheap. Bill and the Apostle Paul don't have a lot in common, <laughs> but they do have this in common. Yes, yes. And you have a lot more in common with Paul than you might think. Well, we do have this in common, I'll say that. Yeah. I, I think you're going to read it out. Is it Second Corinthians 11? Okay. I'll, I'll read Second Corinthians 11. It's 28 that you want me to read, right? Yeah. Okay. Paul's lamenting about all the pressures that he has on him. Second Corinthians eleven. Yes, and in twenty seven he, he actually says I labor in hardship through all the many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst without food, cold and exposed, but apart from external things there is the daily pressure of my concern for the churches that I planted. I'm still concerned with those churches, even though I'm having sleepless nights over the work that I have to do in the next day to feed myself. I'm, I'm worried about all the churches. Being worried about the churches is being equated to being choked by the cares of the world. That's an example, worrying about the churches is an example of one of those cares of the world that Jesus talked about when, when he brought up the parable of the good seed and the bad seed. And I think he said daily? Daily. Cares, the day-to-day -day life are the cares of the world. And that was that word marimna, wasn't it? That sometimes is translated anxiety? Yes. Cares, and they're daily. And they're daily constant. I'm constantly just going over what I got to do today. What do I got to do? How am I going to get it done? All, all day long, I think about those things. So it's not a sin, I guess, for lack of a better word, to yeah. have anxiety. No. But there is a way to deal with it. There is a way to deal with it. That is spiritual. Yes. That's what we need to take a look at. 
And if we don't know that way, I'm telling you, the cares of the world can put you, can paralyze you. Absolutely. They, they could lead to stroke. And the, again, these cares of the world are worrying about what you're going to eat, how you're going to survive, basically. How, how you're going to survive. There's no one that doesn't have these cares of the world. No one. So what's spiritual is the way you manage the cares of the world, not well, whether you have cares of the world well or not said. have cares of the world. Well said. Since we all have this in common, let's talk about how do we deal with this anxiety and Perhaps we could even go to James to see some, because you were sharing with me some insight I thought was really... Okay, if you're alluding to James, then you were alluding to James chapter 1, the very first thought in, in the letter of James, where he says, Count it all joy when you face trials of various kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith produces, and it goes on and on and on, He's giving an example of cares of the world. And he's saying these cares of the world test you for something. Each time you have a care of the world or a situation you're in, it is testing for something. And it here in James, he's saying it's testing your faith. Not how much human faith you can muster, but your faith, the faith that was given to you by God, which is a living entity. When James said the testing of your faith, he meant it in the most biblical way, meaning the way that the Bible defines, gives us the definition of faith, which is found in 1 Corinthians 12, seven and nine where it says there are many manifestations of the spirit and it goes on to say one is faith the other one is words of wisdom and stuff but he describes faith as a manifestation of the spirit you have to know that faith in the new covenant is a term of art for manifesting the spirit that's how the word faith is defined in our new covenant now in our old covenant the word faith was defined how much you can be determined to believe god in the face of what you're seeing now it means how much does god manifest himself in the situation you're in in the trial that you're in in the care of the world that you're in how much does the spirit manifest itself as faith, as James would say? He, he means it in the book of James. He means it as a testing for a manifestation of the spirit. That's the way he's defining your faith, your ability faith. to manifest. I think Paul would say the same thing in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, which would mean my human faith is dead. But the life I do live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself to me. And then in the King James, it says, 
in verse 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness could be attained by the law, and righteousness is the faithfulness of Christ, under the Old Testament, it was the faithfulness of you. That failed. New covenant, it's we live by the faithfulness of Christ. Therefore, a manifestation of the faith is going to see if it's the old endemic faith, which is not going to get you through any of the cares of the world. That's why you cast them on him, which is a verse I'd like to get to, too. Yeah, exactly. So let's look at a few parables, a few examples in the Gospels also, and a few examples in the epistles where this word marimna, cares of the world, is, is used. Good, good, good. Gives us a biblical perspective of why I would say the cares of the world has built. Let me read this verse first. All right. Then I'll get back to the cares of the world. Okay. This is First Peter 5.7, Weymouth Bible translation. It's an old translation. It says, throw the whole of your anxiety upon him. That word anxiety is our barimna word, your cares. Throw all your cares upon him. And it's kind of a play on words because he cares for you. And that's a different word for cares that we'll get to. Okay. But it's too early to get to it now. So he does say throw all of your anxiety, marimna, all of your cares of the world upon him. Meaning what you just said. If we don't have the faith, then we need to throw it on the one who does have the faithfulness. That would be Jesus. What it, so whatever the care is, give it to Jesus. And here's, it's in two of the parables. I'll, I'll just do one because it's kind of the same parable. Matthew 13, 22 and 23 is talking about the kingdom of God. Why some people get crippled and why some people it blossom in the kingdom of God. It says the reason some don't blossom is for our marimna word, the cares of the world. So let me just read it. And the one in thorn bushes being sown, it's talking about the seed, right? Jesus gave a parable about a sower sow seed. The seed is Christ. None other than Christ himself. And it's also his faithfulness. It's his life. It's everything. It's Christ is the seed. Which is everything. So it says, why does the seed sometimes blossom, grow, and why does it sometimes not grow? So the one that's not growing, it says, one reason it's not growing, it says the thorns and thistles choke it out. That thorns and thistles choking it out is our word marimna. The thorns and thistles are a picture of the cares of the world. And the cares of the world choke out the life of the Spirit. That's just one of the three ways the word we're looking at is used. That's the one we want to zero in on, right? Yeah, the cares of the world is the marimna word. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
And so we want to get to the idea of First Peter 5, 7. I remembered it. Okay, okay. I think I brought it up. I think, I think. So, I remember it too. See what the cares of the world do to your brain? Yeah. They, they really do. So, I'm going to read First Peter 5, 7 again. I read it earlier. But throw the whole of your anxiety, that's our marimna word. Cares of the world. Throw all the cares of the world. So, he defines it as anxiety. Yes. Upon him. Because he himself cares for you. That's a different word, though. But it's the word that, remember Martha? Martha, Martha, Martha? When she was complaining about Mary to Jesus? And what was Martha doing? She was going to the bars and... and Man, she was being the best... She's being a Proverbs 31 woman. Yeah, she was. She was in the kitchen, in the kitchen with Martha. It'd be a TV show. But Martha wasn't there. But Mary wasn't there. Mary wasn't there, yeah. Mary, her lazy self, was not even concerned about Martha doing all the preparation and cooking the food. All the cares of the world. And then Martha says to Jesus the same thing I've said to Jesus regrettably don't you care and that's a different word that word care is malay and it's the one used in Luke 10 40 with the story about Martha and Mary Martha says don't you care that I'm doing all the work different word than anxiety she's filled with the cares of the world. I'll give you another one and then we'll get back to it. In Mark 4, 38, remember when the disciples were in the boat in a storm? I was just going to say that, yeah. Yeah. They said, don't you care. They said exactly that. They didn't say marimna, the cares of the world. They said, don't you care? Aren't you concerned about our life? As if he doesn't care. And have you ever had that thought where you're like, God, don't you care? Can't you take this burden off of me? Don't leave me now, Lord. I need you. You do need me. You're in a bind. Yes. The marimna, the cares of the world, are causing anxiety. Anxiety, according to like Psalm 91, causes sickness and disease. It's not a good thing. No, it's not. It wears out your body. It wore mine down. It will make you, I had bouts of anxiety where I was throwing up in the morning, sick to my stomach. Didn't see any way out of my situation. I remember those days. I, I was going out of my mind too back then. And if someone would say, don't worry about it, I, I wanted to punch them. I was like, how could you say such a callous thing to me? Yeah. Don't you worry. I felt like Martha. Yeah. Don't you care? Yeah. Don't just tell me don't worry about it. Yeah. Help me out. Do something. But they don't do something because they can't do something any more than you can do something. So Peter tells us to cast all of our anxiety, marimna, right, onto Jesus. 
So the same guy that said, Lord, don't you care, is the same guy in 1 Peter 5 that said, cast all your cares on him. Why? Because he what? Cares. He does care. Mm. He does care. And he wants us to cast them on him. Yes. He doesn't to bear up under the cares of the world. He wants Bill to come in and do the podcast. Me. Right? Instead of? Trying to get caught up on the cares of the world. Right. Which, by the way, I didn't get caught up. No. I don't think you are anytime soon. So when you said the cares of the world have got Bill again, you didn't mean it in a negative way. No. No. I mean, the tests, like James said, Counted all joy when you find tests of various kinds. The test was is causing you to miss the podcast. Now, whether you had acceptance in the test, if you had acceptance in the test, then you'd be manifesting the spirit. If you're saying, don't you care, Lord, I'm out here and I should be podcasting, then you're manifesting the flesh. It gets confusing with a very legalistic saying. I don't hear it as much anymore, but I used to hear it a lot in the 80s and 90s. People would say to me, probably said it to you, Bill, you need to get your priorities right. It's Mm. God, family, business in that order. Is that bogus or what? A bogus thought. What's bogus about it is... That God is not a priority. No. He's your life. He's your life. So it the cares of the world aren't a bigger priority than your family or God. God is your life. Everything falls under whether you're going to cast all your anxiety onto God, who is what? Your life. Yes. In other words, he's your solution. <laughs> To all those priorities that you've prioritized. Your number one priority, he is the solution for it. He's not your priority. He's the solution for your priority. Well, that just sounds too easy. That that would sound like his burden is light. <laughs> Wait a funny. minute. That's funny. I think he did say that. <laughs> he did, did say that. My burden is light. My yoke is easy. If I can just cast all my anxiety onto him and he cares for me, well, isn't that what Paul said? You just open that up and he says he has all the daily concerns. And what was his answer in Philippians? I just want to know him. I just want to experience him. Isn't that what you were talking about when you said yes? What James said, he wants to experience. Now that you mentioned Philippians, just get a load of this verse. He, he's in jail, and he says, In all these things I shall not be put to shame because of your prayers and a supply of oh. Jesus. A supply of Jesus is going to get him through the test that he's in. Get him through the test that James starts the book of James with. All these trials and all these thorns and thistles, they are a test to see, 
who manifests. It's either God or Adam manifests. So, so far, we made it clear no one is without cares of the world. They're, they're common to man. God is not a priority. He's your life. We have the solution for the anxiety is not a pill. It's not a, you know, they, they can help, but it's it's not a, a prioritization. Is that a word? Well, doesn't it say be anxious for nothing but in prayers and supplications? Make your, your request. Your request known to God and what will happen? The peace of Christ will guard your hearts and mind. Well, I would say peace is probably the best cure for anxiety. Isn't it? But it's not worldly peace. It's not, what did Jesus say? My peace I give you, not as the world yes. gives you. The peace the world gives me is, hey, Bill, prioritize your life. God, Put God first and, and he'll yeah. take care of the other thing. Yes, the peace that the world gives you is the peace that takes care of the human nature. And once you've got everything taken care of, then you have peace, which you never do because you're just growing old and going to die. That's the peace of the world. Just, it looks like I can live. I'm surviving. The peace of Christ is the peace of the eternal spirit who's never going to die. And none of these trials or tribulations mean anything to him. He, he calls it a light and momentary affliction will far outweigh the, the troubles we're in or the troubles we're going through. I think it says all of it. Yeah. I'm talking about the troubles. All yeah. the troubles yes. will far outweigh. So another one in Colossians, let the peace of Christ umpire. Umpire in your heart. Best way to make a decision is mm-hmm. bring it to God and let the peace of Christ umpire. It's actually the word umpire. Yeah. Show the way you should turn at this. Usually you're wondering about which way to turn at an eight-way stop. And one of the ways is the right path. And the peace of Christ, if you learn to live by it, it will umpire the right decision. You'll get peace when you think about this solution. You think about six or seven different solutions, and one solution will give you peace. That's the one to take. I've found that when I make a decision and I don't have the peace of Christ, I don't think it's it's ever worked out. Right, exactly. And also, I think when I've made a decision that didn't seem, but I had the peace of Christ about it, it's never not worked out. Never. I mean, never. Never not worked out. So I think letting the peace of Christ is pretty much casting your anxiety upon you because he cares for you. And he will show you which path to take. It's interesting where Peter gets that quote. Well, it's, it's funny that the guy that said, don't you care? is telling you he does care. He did learn, didn't he? He did learn. And he wouldn't have learned if he wasn't in the boat. That's right. And he wouldn't have learned if he wasn't the apostle in the upper room discourse that said, 
the cares of the world are going to get to them. The anxiety and the stress. And the scatter. But not me. Yeah. I'm rock solid Peter. And he was the one that scattered. And I love the way God restored Peter. And we'll, we'll get back to his quote. Because it's, there's a backstory to where that quote came from. But how did Jesus restore Peter? With love. With love. Didn't he ask Peter how much you will take care of me? How much you will love me? How much you will be obedient to me? How much you will make the right choices? How much you will prioritize me? What did he ask him? Do you love me? And what did Peter say? Peter said, I brotherly love you. We're good friends. But he couldn't say it. Like he, he, he could not say, Lord, I love you. I got your back. Nothing will happen to you anymore. No, he could not say, I agape love you. The love that a father has for his child. The love that would give the child anything and die for the child. That was agape love. And Peter told Jesus, I'm, I'm not there yet. I can't do that. I've proven to myself that I can't yes. do that. Back to James. Yes. He had a test. Yes. And before the test, the test was how would, well, Jesus said, you all are going to betray me. And Peter said, not me. His faith got tested to see what kind of faith it was. That's what James says, right? And it turned out to be human faith. As far as people go, uh, I would say Peter was pretty brave. Guy. He was a guy you did, probably did not want to mess with. He chopped the ear off yeah. of a guy in a Roman cohort. That's a lot of people. Yeah, it seemed like he'd throw down in a second. Yeah. He was not a cowardly. I don't think so. He was a man's man. Yeah. Just, he ended up cowering from a a girl and not even being able to say I I, I was with Jesus in front of a girl became a girly man she whooped his butt anxiety will make you a girly man like Peter yeah anxiety will make you sick to your stomach and throw up anxiety will it messes up your central nervous system this is medical facts I guess you could say I know all too well. It just does. The trials have nothing to do with your behavior. It's not sin correction, as we're, we're told a lot, you know. Well, must be something really bad in his life for him to be having the trials. Well, you'd have to include the, the Apostle Paul, because he said, I have this marimna, didn't he? Daily marimna of running the churches. A lot of pressure on Paul. So where did Peter get this cast your cares upon him because he cares, cast your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you? He got it from Psalm 55, which is David, similar trouble that he's been in before. His son Absalom had turned against him and he's surrounded by enemies again, once again, and they're closing in on him once again. And 
he gets to the point where he says, I could accept all this if it was an enemy doing this to me, but it's a friend, a friend that I trusted, a friend we had fellowship, a guy I went to church with, that we sang in the choir together, my, my bud, my main man, turned against him. That's unbearable type of stress. Yes. What do you do with that? Mm-hmm. That's your world is falling apart. Yes. Stress. So let me see if I can find it. It's in Psalm 55. Okay, I got it. It says, talking about David and his dilemma, his brother that was so supposed to be on his side turned on him. And David says, his speech was smoother than butter, but his heart was war. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. That's quite a promise. So if you're living right, you're righteous. In the Old Testament, yeah. What about the New Testament? You're considered righteous. It's a gift. It's a gift. And it's a gift that can't that's irrevocable. Irrevocable. He'll never allow the righteous to be forsaken? Yes. And we're righteous by a gift? Could I say he'll never allow us to be forsaken? So it's not saying there's there's not friends like that out there that will stab you in the back. It stabbed you in the back in the worst way when with what flattering words it said smooth talk to win your confidence over with bad intentions the whole time he's doing it. And David, he could try to fight this battle on his own, but he doesn't because he's learned something about the I am. I think he uses that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. He does. He does. So the I am is always with him. The I am already knows about the anxiety that you're going through. And I've used to think of it, did you ever think of it like this? Cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. And it's, instead of seeing it as an amazing promise, I I saw it as uh, an obedience thing I was supposed to, to do. Get up every morning and say my prayers and And if I didn't, bad things were going to come to me because Jesus is mad that I didn't cast my cares upon him. And nothing could be further from the truth. The reason we failed the test, as James said, is because we we try to do all the cares of the world on our own. And we can't. We're just not able to do it. We can do nothing apart from him. Apart from him, we can't even breathe. We'd stop if he didn't give us each and every breath that we take. So what does that make us? It makes us dependent. We need to to cast our cares upon him. It's not that God is displeased when we don't cast our cares upon him. It's that God loves us, and he does care about us. But he wants 
us to know that he cares about us. That's why he goes to such great lengths to prove that he cares about us, meaning he'll allow those moments of anxiety, those days of anxiety, he'll allow those to come into our life. He'll allow the thorns and thistles to come into our life. Not as punishment for sin or (laughs) like people say, you know, are misprioritizing our life. But they teach us to rely on him, on him and his faithfulness. And, and you brought that up in James, and I interrupted you. So go ahead. <laughs> the idea is spoken about quite a bit, really, in the New Testament, about why we have these trials and tests. I mean, in Hebrews it says count these trials or tests as discipline from God that he wouldn't love you if he didn't discipline you and you think oh that's a spanking from God that I need but it it actually says count what is going on consider it consider it as from God as coming from God look at it through all the scriptures that are related on the subject you begin to realize that, like the Romans, he subjected the creation to futility, not of the creation's will, but of the will of him who subjected it in hopes that it would be set free from its slavery to corruption into the glory of the children of God. The children of God is a manifestation of the Spirit. It's the child of God manifesting himself as opposed to the child of Adam manifesting himself. That's what it says in 1 John 3. The children of the devil and the children of God are obvious. The children of God never sin, and the children of the devil always sin when they're manifesting. So you can tell when somebody is in the spirit or not. You judge them by their fruits, it was saying. But all these tests... When it comes down to it, all these tests are testing for a manifestation of the flesh, the Edemic nature, or a manifestation of the spirit. And they are also teaching us not to depend on manifestations of the flesh, but depend on manifestations of the spirit. But That is what it's all about. That's why it's so random and you can't get a handle on why these these things happen. Why do good things happen to bad people? And on and on it goes. People trying to figure out why or what is the methodology or how do we get to these points? Why is God doing all this? There's no rhyme or reason to it because it's just testing for flesh or spirit. The good times are flat, are testing for flesh or spirit, whether you're gracious and humble during the good times or whether you're a big mouth manifesting the nature of Adam, bragging on yourself because you, you've been blessed. The bad times... Are you going to manifest the Spirit and still say, praise you, Lord, even though I'm going through bad times? Or are you going to manifest the flesh, 
like I'm guilty of, I've given God a rash a few times in my flesh. I have come to God in my flesh many, many times, more than I'd care to admit. But the test that I was going through was testing for a manifestation of either the flesh or the spirit. And the manifestations of the spirit build up rewards for you. The manifestations of the flesh are the things that burn on that day of judgment, the great white throne judgment where all the books are opened and your books burn and the book of the life of the lamb does not burn. The autobiography of the life of the lamb does not burn and you are in his biography. It, in his biography, it says in the year 2022, Jesus did this through Steve Lenart. And Steve Lenart's name is written in the biography of the Lamb. It's not a ledger, no. but, but it's in the biography of the Lamb. And the things that Jesus does through you, the manifestations of the Spirit, are what your wife, your boss, all the people around you enjoy. They're what stores you up treasures in heaven. Manifestations of the Spirit are what keep you out of trouble or keep you from putting your foot in your mouth. The manifestations of the Spirit do everything that you're not ashamed of and all the things that you're very proud of. That is the manifestation of the Spirit. It can really make for smooth sailing for you in a work environment. If you're in the work environment and, and you can't get along with everybody there, well, everybody can get along with the manifestation of the Spirit because it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faith. The fruit of the Spirit is everything everybody loves. So. What we as Christians wait on and depend on is for the manifestation of the Spirit that bears that fruit. Like it said in Colossians, I, I hope that you bear fruit in every good work that you do. Meaning you can do good works that were human driven and driven by the nature of Adam and they don't produce find gold, they produce wood, hay, and stubble. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the, that word a few times, and I think it's... What word? Manifests okay. the Son of God. Yes. And it's in Romans 8, when it's talking about all the futility and is poured out, and then it talks about the creation was subject to futility, not by its own will, but by the will of him who subjected it in order that the manifest sons of God would be revealed. And boy, that's one that's like tossed about as there's this group of people called the manifest sons of God. No, it's talking about mm -hmm. Steve, Bill, everyone you know that the son of the manifestation of the son of God can be seen through them, through each and every trial. Uh, through each and every moment of futility. It said he subjected it to futility. Each and every moment of futility, either the spirit can manifest itself or the flesh can manifest itself. 
And when the spirit manifests itself, it's called the manifest sons of God. Yes. Girl and boy. <laughs> yes. Male and female. It's the manifestation of Christ in your life. And people see it. Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no, no, it's time for us to give, give a give a prayer and, and call it a day. Do you want to pray or do you want me to? Yeah, you can pray because you're the one that accused me of the cares of the world. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a good thing. It was. The way you meant it was always correct. But yes. Let the record show that you weren't putting me down. No, uh, not a bit. Father God, allow us allow us to see what the cares of the world are. Everything that causes anxiety and frustration and on and on the list goes. Let us understand that those are the cares of the world. Those are the trials that we go through. Those are the times of testing that we go, go through. And it's testing to see if there's a manifestation of the spirit involved in that long line at the bank that you don't have time to wait for or a manifestation of Adam while you're waiting in that long line of the bank. Are you going to give the bank teller a hard time or are you going to bless the bank teller and make her day better? Because that's what Jesus would do. If he's manifesting himself through you in that long line, that trial, that test, in the midst of the cares of the world, however you want to define it, when he's manifesting, you are shining. You are shining to everybody in that room, and you're shining the glory of the face of Christ, 2 Corinthians 4, whether you know it or not. It's Christ showing up, he's shining, and he's doing it through you. So I'm going to close us in prayer by asking God to give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation that I'm always asking for. I think it's becoming obvious why I ask you, Lord, for that spirit of wisdom and revelation. Only because you know also well that without the eyes of our heart being enlightened and are given us a mind that understands, we won't understand these things. It takes you, the spirit of you in us to be able to even comprehend what your Bible is saying, what verses Bill and I pointed to. So God, just rain down that spirit of wisdom and revelation on everybody who hears this podcast. Let them Get rev from the podcast, Father. Real, genuine revelation about what your book is about. It's in Jesus' name I ask you to do these things, Lord. Amen. We love you guys. Love you guys. Amen. Have a good night.